On this episode of the Pep Talk Podcast, we're talking about failure and how shifting the spotlight can help you fail toward the future. But first, I have a question for you. Have you had your dose of pep today? No? Don't worry, I've got you. Now let's get into it. a life coach in DFW, and I'm so glad to be here with you today to start your week off with some pep, some motivation, some inspiration, and some encouragement. You know that the purpose of this podcast is to cheer you on and to coach you up, and so it is always my privilege and my deep, deep, deep honor to be able to come to you week after week and bring some energy to your Monday because I, I know sometimes Mondays can be dragging and that, that alarm clock sounds a little bit differently on Monday than it does, you know, the days on the rest of the week. But still, we say, thank God it's Monday. We're here to see another day. We're here to see another weekend. We're going to make this week, we're going to make this day the best Monday of 2024. And we're going to make this week the best week of the year so far. So I'm glad that you're here. If you're new to the Pep Squad, that's what I call all of the listeners of the Pep Talk podcast. I am so glad that you've chosen to spend some part of your week with us. If you are, if you've been here, you've been rocking and rolling with us. I'm so glad that you are back and that you all are telling people about the podcast. Y'all, we have, uh, it's been a really, really cool last couple of weeks for the podcast. Our last two episodes have hit a hundred views, a hundred downloads, sorry, in the first seven days. That's big. That's big. As you know, I've told you when we first started, we were getting 15, 20 downloads per episode, but now we're up to 100 over the last, uh, for each of the last two episodes. That's enormous. That's enormous. And it's not about the downloads. It's really not. It's about the impact. But still, it's awesome to know uh, that by growth metrics, we're growing. And so you're you're doing this with me. So I thank you. Please continue. Uh, sharing the podcast, leaving your ratings, leaving your reviews. Uh, if you're on, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to, uh, download, um, follow, like, hit the notification button. All the things, all the things. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, hey, leave a message. Let us message. Let us know that you appreciate what we are doing, uh, because we certainly appreciate your listenership. We appreciate your encouragement. We appreciate your feedback. And it just means a lot. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start this episode off with some story time. Story time with Coach Jay. <laughs> All right. Where usually I tell you a story about something that I've gone through that didn't go quite to plan. And I leverage it to help us all get better as a result, right? Okay, all right. So I remember uh, I had this job. I was working in human resources, and I was a human resources generalist. And in this role as a generalist, my job was to do generally everything HR-related. So from hiring to orientation to benefits management to recruiting to even terminations, my responsibilities ran the gamut of all of those responsibilities. Like it was, it was crazy. And I, I loved it. And it was, it was a really, really great job. Uh, I rem but then I remember I hit a point 
where the job began to feel really big as my uh, my supervisors who really believed in me, they believed in my abilities. Uh, I mean, they had moved us, you know, relocated us. And so they believed in, in, in my skill set. Um, they had, you know, they'd sent me off to get more training so that I was able to do uh, more things and to be more efficient. And I, I remember there was a point where the job felt like it was really, really starting to take on a much bigger scale than I was comfortable with or felt like I was prepared for at that particular moment. Um, and I was really starting to have some bouts where I was doubting my ability. Now, I am open and honest about my doubts and insecurities now, but back then I wasn't. I wrestled with them on on the inside. And I remember I made a huge mistake um, in inputting benefits for another employee, and it had uh, an effect on, on something that they needed to do. And so I got called into my supervisor's office, and I got royally royally, <laughs> royally chewed out. Um, so I walked out of the office and my head was down and I went back to my desk and ugh, I just, I couldn't get right. And I remember I was put on uh, a performance improvement plan, which in many cases is kind of like, let's just get this documentation because we don't think you're going to make it. So we're going to get this documentation. Um, so that when we fire you, you have we have the paper trail. Now, I don't think that that's what this one was, but I've seen them used in that way, weaponized in that way. But I was put on a performance improvement plan. My performance had to improve. And in my brain, it was like I had already been fired. Like I felt like everything that I did from the moment that I'd been called into my supervisor's office and got that stern reprimand, I felt like I was being watched closely. I felt like I was being micromanaged, even though nothing really changed in the office dynamics. I mean, my supervisor was still nice. She was still very supportive and, and everything. But in, in my brain, I felt like everything that I did was being watched very closely, intimately, and that there was nothing that I could do that could stop me, that could help me do my job as well as I had been. Now, if I look back on it, post-reprimand, I worked harder, you know, like anybody else. When I looked for ways to become more efficient, you know, I made sure to uh, cross my T's and dot my I's and everything. And <coughs> excuse me, in retrospect, I, I was doing a really, really good job. However, in my head and in my heart, I felt like I was not living up. And so at any point, the axe was going to come down on my head. I had already succumbed to what I expected to be a termination of failure. Like I, I just, I knew that that was coming. I felt like everywhere I went in the business, everybody was looking at me saying, oh, He's a failure. He messed up. He can't do anything right. He's destroying our company. And I was hearing all of these things in my head. And I had this story in my head that I could not do anything right, that I sucked, that I was horrible, that I was an abject failure. I failed my job. I failed my family because, you know, 
we were about to have our second child. We had just moved and I was a failure to them and, and everything. And it was a lot. It was a lot. I, I it got to the point where I would get up and I would, you know, even think about going to work. And I just, I felt nauseous. I was overcome with anxiety and worry. And I had this earnest expectation that any day I was going to go into work, my things going to be packed up into a, a cardboard box and I was going to be sent packing on my way because they had this performance improvement plan, you know, in process and I wasn't living up to it. And here's the crazy thing. I had even been called into my supervisor's office and told that my performance was exceeding what they wanted. But in my brain, in my brain, the only thing that I could hear was this imaginary voice from my supervisor alternately translating everything that she said, like, you're doing a great job, you're making good progress, keep it up. What I heard in my head was, we're going to fire you at any moment. So we're not going to let you know when, but it's going to happen. And so in this story, I became my own worst enemy because I felt like a failure. And so ultimately, I wasn't my best. And I was only a hollow shell of myself by the end of things. Now, I didn't get fired. The economy tanked. And because I was the last person into the company, I was the first one laid off with a severance package. So I wasn't terminated. My fears were unfounded. But yet, that's not the last time that that would happen to me as far as feeling like I was being closely watched and that, watched and that I wasn't measuring up and, and all of these things. And I don't know how many of you out there can identify with that. I bet a lot of you can, though. I bet a lot of you can. If you can identify with that, shoot us a message at thepetpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or if you're on YouTube watching, drop it in the comments. Think about with me, when is the last time that you felt like a failure? You were laid off. You were fired. Uh, you made a big mistake that all that that cost you a relationship or almost cost you a relationship or uh, it cost you a relationship with uh, a child or with another family member. Um, when did you feel like a failure? And y'all, I know that is that's hard. It's hard to come out of. It's hard to deal with. I mean, I can think of another time that I got outright fired from a job. And I think I talked about this briefly. I, I sent out a text message to all of my friends saying, y'all, I, 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 I failed. You know, I'm less than a man because I got fired. I can't care for my family. I can't care for my wife. I don't have a job. The Bible says if a man doesn't, you know, work, he doesn't eat. I, 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 I'm not living up to my responsibilities. Again, I felt like everybody would look at me and see my failure as if I was wearing a big red F across my chest. Allusion to the scarlet letter, right? But we internalize failure so deeply that we begin to externalize it. And here's what I mean by that. We have our failure story that takes root inside of our minds, inside of our hearts. 
And it becomes such a powerful thing. It becomes so supreme in the way that it causes us to feel about ourselves that we allow it to externally manifest into our perspective in the way that everybody sees us. Now, I can't even go to the grocery store because even people who don't know me are going to look at me and say, oh, that dude's a failure. He got fired. He got laid off. He didn't get the job. She didn't get into this or they dropped out of school or whatever. They had an addiction or whatever. We, 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 we walk and because the messaging, the negative messaging on the inside of us is so strong. It's so powerful. It's so overwhelming that now I can't even go into the grocery store to get groceries because I'm afraid that everybody's going to know. Which is silly. It makes no sense, but it's facts. Because we internalize our failure. We internalize our shortcomings so much to the point that we externalize it. We think that everybody is looking at us like we're a failure, that they are speaking to us like they have some type of inner connection to what's happening on the inside of us, that they're looking at us saying, you're a failure. I know what happened to you. You got fired. You weren't doing your job right. You messed up. You made this mistake. You did this. You did that. And so now the accusations that are on the inside of us become the accusations that we believe that everybody on the outside of us is, is, is casting at us. We believe that everybody is casting aspersions at us because of the aspersions that we're casting upon ourselves. Now suddenly everybody's talking about us. Everybody knows our business. And now we're just, we're mad at ourselves. We're mad at everybody. And then we're lonely and we're isolated and we don't feel like we have anybody. We are overcome with shame. You know, it was the noted psychologist, Carl Jung, who called shame the swamp yard of the soul. And it's the Oxford Dictionary that defines shame as a painful feeling of humiliation, of letdown. Isn't that, isn't, isn't that so apt? Carl Jung calls it the swampland of the soul because if you've ever seen a swamp, you know that it's muddy and it's dirty and it's murky. And there's so much stuff that's hiding in that mud. If you've ever watched Swamp People, you know there are gators <laughs> in that mud that will eat you alive. But it's the same thing that when we allow ourselves to be filled with shame and failure that is kept to ourselves, failure that is internalized, becomes shame really, really quickly. And so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that painful feeling of humiliation we step into it and now we're feeling, you know, embarrassment. We're feeling guilt. We're feeling lonely. We're feeling distress and worry and anxiety, and which leads to paranoia and other mental ills. Because now we've allowed shame to take over. So what so what was once failure, no, what was once a mistake now leads to us beginning to create this narrative and live out this narrative in our hearts that we've messed up. Everybody's looking at us crazy. I can't go anywhere because everybody knows that I messed up. Everybody knows because people talk. Everybody's talking about me. Look at those people over there 
you know, look like they're reading the National Enquirer. Really, they're having a conversation about me. That's what we tell ourselves. Everybody's talking about us. When the pastor gets up and he's talking on Sunday morning, oh, yeah, he's talking about me too. Somebody told him. Everybody's talking about me, but it's because we're walking into this swampland of shame. And it, 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 it just kills us. But you know how I said that we tell ourselves these narratives? So, yeah, I had a moment where I failed in that job. You've had a moment where you failed at something in your life. You didn't make the team, whatever it is. You've had a moment where you failed in your life. But the problem is not what everybody else is saying. The problem is that the shame that we feel is shame that we have created because of the narrative that we're telling ourselves. Now, all of a sudden, a moment of weakness or a moment of mistake becomes an entire volume of my life story where I go back and I edit everything. It's like me taking the Wikipedia page of my name and going back and editing everything good to reflect everything negative that I feel that I feel about myself because that humiliation and embarrassment and distress, it hits so deep. And y'all, I need you to hear me. I understand it. I understand it. It makes sense. Somebody who's listening to this podcast, maybe you are in that spot right now. You are walking through that swampland and you don't know how to get out. What I'm telling you is that we have to shift the story. The only way to drain the swamp <laughs> The only way to drain the swamp of shame is to begin telling ourselves a new story. And it's in that way that we begin to fail toward the future. But if we're actually going to be able to do this, then we need to talk about shifting the spotlight. So let's talk about shifting the spotlight. All right, so back in 2000, uh, there was this term that made it into uh, the journal, um, the current directions in psycholo psychological science. And it was uh, from psychologists Tom Gilovich and Kenneth Savitsky. And the, the term that they coined that is so, 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 so key to this conversation on failure, oh my gosh, is the spotlight effect. Now, you may be asking, yo, Jay, what's the spotlight effect? Well, I'm about to tell you. And it's going to make a lot, it might be a key, like you may get your breakthrough just right now. And you may just be able to cut the rest of this podcast off and just keep going. Like, seriously, this is, it's good stuff. But listen to this. The spotlight effect is a feeling that we're being noticed, watched, observed, and importantly, more importantly, judged much more than we really are. Because, because we are the centers of our own world, we believe that we are the center of everybody else's world as well. Wow. <laughs> and so here's what they did. They did a study uh, with, I believe, some Cornell University students. I think I'm right. Uh, and they teamed up with some more people and they, they had a bunch of students and they had them to do an activity where they estimated their abilities through the eyes of other people based on their uh, physical appearance. Uh, their athletic accomplishments, and how well they played a video game. And what they discovered was to a person, to a person, all of the participants constantly overestimated the extent of their strengths and weaknesses through the eyes of other people. What does that mean? That means that we always think that other people think more or less of us 
than we think of ourselves. Let me say that in another way because I don't think that I was clear. Okay, so the spotlight effect says that because we are the center of our own universe, we automatically assume that we are the center of somebody else's universe. That means that when I'm thinking negatively about myself, then I assume that everybody else is thinking negatively about me. That means that when I am super happy with myself and I feel like I'm the best thing since since sliced bread, I believe that everybody else looks at me with that same sense of accomplishment. But when I'm walking through that swampland of shame and I feel humiliated and embarrassed, I believe that other people are looking at me, paying attention to me, and they are judging me equally, if not more, in a detrimental way. So how do we fix this? Like, how do we fix these feelings of failure? How do we get out of this swampland of shame? Gilovich and Stravitsky just told us, we have to shift the spotlight. Because remember, just because you are hyper-focused on your failures or hyper-focused on your successes, that does not mean that everybody else is. Your mom might congratulate you. Your wife and kids may be happy. But in the grand scheme of things, people are too wrapped up in their own lives <laughs> to be paying attention to yours, to be paying attention to mine. And I know that that can be a hard thing to understand. But uh, Tim Urban of the, what's the name of his podcast? Uh, his blog is called Wait But Why. Okay. Um, he he put these images up that I think explains spotlight the spotlight effect so well. And I'm going to put them up on the Instagram at underscore JB Speaks on Instagram. But it's two pictures. And in one of the images, it is a bunch of stick figures. And in the very center of the, the, the blob of people is one person and there's an arrow that says, that's you. Everybody else in the circle is looking at that one person. And that is the perceived image because there's one person in the center and they believe everybody's paying attention to everything that they do. And isn't that true? Isn't that us? We think that people are just automatically, everybody's automatically paying attention. Everybody's not automatically paying attention to you. There are people who are watching you, but those people don't constitute the masses. They don't. All right, so that's the first picture. But then he puts up another image, and it is of a group of people who are like walking around completely obsessed with their phones. And then there's still the stick figure in between, just kind of looking out like, what's happening? And the, 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 the idea of it is that that's how things actually are. People are so obsessed with their own lives, with their own struggles, with their own successes, with their own failures, that they don't literally have the bandwidth to be paying attention to you 24-7. So when you fail, so what? Who's really going to come and rub it in? Do you have <laughs> do you have an eternal enemy who is actively coming to you, ringing your doorbell, sending you mail, calling your phone 24-7, just saying, hello, hey, you failed, dummy, click. I am willing to say that 99.9% .9 of us do not have an enemy like that who is actively looking for ways to rub it in your face that things aren't going well and that you're not in a mentally healthy place at that point. I take that back. 
the villain, the enemy that we have, it's ourselves. And we have to be willing, we have to be willing to deal with the internal narrative of failure. Because one failure does not mean that you will never be successful again, but it's easy to convince yourself that, right? It is. One mistake does not mean that that relationship will never be good again. It just doesn't. One mishap doesn't mean that you'll never be able to start that business. A bankruptcy doesn't mean that you'll never be financially stable again. All of these things are bumps in the road, but we really it's hard for us to imagine what comes next because we can see the past clearly, but the future are nothing but invisible steps. And as we take each step and find it secure, we still get nervous taking the next step because we don't know where it's leading. But y'all, failure is not the end. And if we're truly going to learn how to fail toward the future, then we have to learn that we have to shift the spotlight away from our failures. We have to shift the spotlight away from ourselves and understand we're not the center of the universe. Therefore, I can fail as much as I want so long as I'm growing from each one of those failures. Y'all, failure is bound to happen to the best of us. To the really rich of us, they have failed many times. They have filed for bankruptcy a bunch of times. I'm sure you've seen all of the, the, the graphics on Facebook and Instagram about all the failures that people have gone through by Oprah getting fired and all these different folks having all of these issues getting started, but now they're living their best lives. I saw a, a, a quote. I don't remember what the, the actual data for it was, but it talked about how many failed relationships somebody had to have before they found their forever love. Now, I can remember my first heartbreak. I can remember the first time I I got fired because the first always stands out. And if we're not careful, it's the first that leads us down the rabbit hole and establishes a stronghold in our hearts and in our heads that uh, because this didn't work, this will never happen in the future. We got to toss that garbage out. That's garbage. That is, I'm going to say it again, that is outright garbage. Yes, the first failure hurts. The first failure sucks. But that the failure is integral. It is essential. If you're going to grow, if you're going to get to future you, you've got to learn how to fail forward. You have to fail toward the future. And if we're going to fail toward the future, it is important that you don't take failure and make it mean anything more than what it does. It is a a very present outcome, but we get to control how much of an implication for the future it will be. And if you put too much emphasis on a present failure, then you're also going to soil what should be a fantastic future. Don't allow one failure to send you into the swampland of shame. Don't allow one failure to color the the, the book of your life in such a negative and decrepit and detrimental and horrible way. I'm going to encourage you that if you're not failing, if you haven't failed lately, then maybe you need to be about the business of failing. Because when done correctly, failure is the surest way. To make sure that you're few, that to make sure that you are future ready, to make sure that you are strong enough to make it. When's the last time you failed? Hmm. So now, let's talk about shifting the spotlight, and I think this needs to be said. 
Okay? It is egotistical of us to assume that it is all about ourselves. It's true. <laughs> it's true. There are so many other factors involved in everything that happens in our lives. And honestly, if you were to look at our role in it, many times, small. It's, it's not all about us. And if we can remove the spotlight, take it from above our heads and just shift it in another direction, then maybe we can shift our perspectives as well. You have to learn. You have to learn. And I got this from Neil Pasricha, Pasricha, I think, uh, from his uh from uh, from his book, You Are Awesome. He's the one who did uh the hundred awesome the thousand awesome things. Uh his, his book is great. But one thing he says about failure is that he says that you have to shift the spotlight away from yourself because it's conceited to think that it's all about you. You have to remember that it's not always about you and it's arrogant to think that way. So what do you do with failure? You dance with it, you work with it, you set it beside you, but not inside you. You keep it external, okay? It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. You have to shift the spotlight if you're going to make it. If you're going to be as great as you're supposed to be, if you are going to make it, if you're going to do the great things that have been destined for you to do, if you're going to achieve your God-given mission here on earth, you have to learn that you cannot internalize the failure. You cannot allow the shame to come in and to take hold of your life and leave you sitting in the swampland of shame quicksand where you can't find yourself. You, you, you just can't get out. It is of the utmost importance, my friends, members of the pep squad, I need you to hear me. It is of the utmost importance that we learn to filter failure, learn from it, and then get happy feet and keep it right on moving. Tippity tap your way on down the yellow brick road and find the joy that is in the future for you because it's there. But if you focus on your failure, you'll never, you'll, you'll never find it. You'll never find it. And so if you're listening to this, I need you to send this episode to that friend, because I know you have one who's struggling with this very thing right now. They need to hear this message that it's okay to fail. It's okay to not get accepted by the job. It's okay to not get accepted into the program because that doesn't stop you unless you allow it to stop you. It's okay. There is a tomorrow for you. And understand that it's not all about you. That failure is not an indication of where you will be in the future. It's just a very present outcome. And also, everybody is not looking at you. Everybody is not waiting on you to fall. Everybody's not waiting on you to get mud on your face or for you to eat crow. Everybody's not waiting on you to, to be down and out. Everybody's not waiting on you to be on food stamps. Nobody's waiting on you to get divorced. Nobody's waiting on you to fail. Nobody's waiting on you to fail because it's not about you. It's not all about you. It's not all about you. Let it sit beside you, but don't let it get inside of you. And you may be listening to this saying, Coach Jay has absolutely lost his mind. But it's because I know. I know what it is to feel that so deeply that it colored every aspect of my world. And it didn't just happen to me once, Pep Squad. 
It's happened to me a few times where I've allowed failure and those feelings of failure to almost cloud my future. But now I can talk to you and I can tell you what I've learned so that you can take what I've learned and apply it as wisdom to your life so that you can be better than me and that somebody else can be better than you because a rising tide lifts all ship and I'm rising and I want y'all to rise with me. I want us to rise together and help as many people rise as we can because that is what we do in the pep squad. We're hope dealers and I love you and I believe in you too much. Listen to me, please listen to me. I believe in you too much to let you stay where you are. We cheer you up on, and then we coach you up. You're great as you are. Even as you may be dealing with feelings of failure and feelings of shame, you're great as you are. You are awesome. But there's a next level. There is another step to go, another rung on the ladder to climb. And I need you to get there. So we can't dwell on our failure, y'all. In 2024, we're going to fail. We're going to make missteps. We're going to have mistakes. Some of those are going to cost us big. Some of those are going to cost us a little. However, however, we're not dwelling. We're not going to sit in the swampland. We're not going to allow shame to sink us. We're not going to allow our failure to keep us tripped up. No, no, no. We're going to keep moving. And I'm going to remind you about that every episode because it's going to get hard sometimes. But you can always come back here to the podcast and hear me remind you to keep going. Because you were meant for so much more than you can even imagine right now. And I believe in all that you are destined to become. I believe in the impact and influence that you are destined to make. And I need you to believe in it too, because that's what we do. That's what we do. Y'all, as we end this episode of the podcast, I need you to remember you're awesome. And if nobody's told you that to start your week, let me be the first to tell you you're awesome. You're talented. You are a gift. You are a present to the people that you're around. You are a dealer of hope. Your life and your light makes it possible for others to feel comfortable shining. So shine, 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 and more shine. All right. This has been episode 22 of season two of the Pep Talk podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jay, a life coach in DFW. Thank y'all for hanging out with me today, and I hope to see you next week. Have a great weekend again. Let us know how you liked the episode. Drop us a comment on the Instagram, send us an email, however you want to do it. We want to hear back from you. Share this episode with your best friend, with your enemy, with your frenemy. Just let folks know. Let folks know that we're here spreading the pep every week, and y'all know how we end it. Keep it love, keep it light, and keep it peppy. <laughs> Episode 22 of the Pep Talk Podcast. Y'all be blessed, and I will see you next week.